Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's been a week of scandal and drama throughout the greater Houston area that has forced a retirement in one story and a lawsuit in another. Plus, it's official, Houston has the worst stretch of traffic in the state again. And a major change that could benefit over 130,000 Texas students. Let's recap the news from the week with Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz. It's Friday, December 8th, 2023. I'm Rahil Ramzanli, and here's what Houston is talking about. It's here, Evan. Tomorrow, Election Day, the runoff, the race everyone's watching, Houston's new mayor. And don't forget, HarrisVotes.com is your home to find all your polling locations. I don't think you'll need a backup. I usually recommend a backup polling location, but based on early voting, it looks like it's going to be a pretty slow day, huh, Evan? Yeah, I mean... Turnout's kind of low. It's a Saturday election. It's a local runoff. Like that's not the sort of thing that gets people out. And that's a shame too, because this is a huge election for the city of Houston. Yeah, definitely. There's going to be more impact from this election, whether it be from the mayor's race, city controller, the city council seats, that's going to have a more of an impact than any national election. I mean, I think people's day-to-day lives uh, are affected by things that happen at City Hall. Sometimes the headlines that seem to shock you come out of Washington, but whether it's your street, whether it's public safety, whether it's the water system, whether it's the future of our city, all that goes through City Council, all that goes through City Hall. Well, don't forget to vote. It is tomorrow. It's a Saturday election, and we've been hitting on this throughout the last month. But again, tomorrow is election day, so don't forget. All right, Evan, let's jump into it. What was your biggest story of the week? Well, I'm going to leapfrog the local elections and look forward to the primaries and say that the biggest story this week was a scandal on the Pervez Aguan campaign. He's running against Lizzie Fletcher in the Democratic primary for Texas 7th. Now, she's a moderate who beat the Republican incumbent in the Democratic suite of 2018. But the district has been redrawn. It's more Democratic, more left-leaning. And Pervis has been running against her from the left. But in a story broken by Houston Landing this week, a civil suit has been filed by a campaign staffer alleging he made unwanted sexual advances towards her after she complained about another staffer sexually harassing women on the campaign. Also tucked away in the court filing, the fact that the campaign's previous director had been fired after he was criminally charged with having a sexual relationship with a student at the school where he worked. This is astounding stuff. Now, here's where the story really goes off the rails. He has said that all of this is just a hit job orchestrated by APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. Now, has he offered any evidence of this? Not really. It's a little bit like blaming the CIA or the Trilateral Commission when something goes wrong in your life. Now, I'm no APAC fan. They've endorsed election deniers. But I've got to say, this is really swinging for the fences. 
And all that's too bad because the left really does have an opportunity to move the needle in some of these Democratic safe seats in the way that the rights move the needle in Republican ones. And I think he deserves credit for actually trying to take part in electoral politics, a place where folks on the left often get really cynical. But that is the path to political power. But a scandal like this can basically write the ending for his campaign. And that's the end of an interesting primary election. Yeah. And he did release a statement, of course, denying the allegations and said our campaign retained an independent party to do a thorough investigation of the allegations. And we look forward to those findings. And he said, we are confident that there is no evidence to support allegations made in the lawsuit. Now, even if this independent party does find enough evidence saying that, yes, you know, there is not enough evidence, the damage has been done. Right, Evan? The damage has been done. And also the fact that he responded, not just by saying, well, you know, this isn't true, but by saying, oh, it's a scandal by APAC coming to get me. That's the sort of thing that makes me raise my eyebrows and go, "Eh, what else is going on here? How Mm. else do you think about things? All right. So we'll see how that plays out, Evan. And as you mentioned, this is a pretty contested race and people were interested in this one. And it's representing a district that has a lot of South Asians as well with the Mm -hmm. redrawing of the district. So this is going to be something to watch out for and see how this plays out. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I think that contested primaries are good. Iron sharpens iron. It makes candidates better. Uh, and I hope to see more primaries all across the region. But when you've got gerrymandering and safe seats, uh, folks get comfortable and lazy. All right. My biggest story of the week. I got an email last week, Evan, from Fort Bend ISD that Dr. Christy Whitbeck was retiring. Now, if you don't know who that is, that's probably a good thing, by the way. I don't like knowing the superintendent too much, but that's the superintendent for Fort Bend ISD. Now, as a parent who is really involved and I love keeping up with what's happening with Fort Bend ISD, I was like, wait, I thought they just gave her a new contract. They just gave her a raise and things seem to be going really, really well for Fort Bend ISD. Well, we're now finding out that there is some drama behind the scenes because on Monday, there was a big meeting regarding what happened with the retirement of Dr. Christy Whitbeck. And we find out that during that meeting, board trustee Christy Davison Malone implied that the board had forced Whitbeck to retire. And she said, quote, it boils down to personality conflicts between our president, our secretary, and perhaps another, ooh, a little shadow player in all of this. Malone said that board president Judy Day offered Whitbeck an ultimatum that led to the superintendent's retirement and other school board members then intervened before Malone could elaborate. This is where it gets frustrating as a parent. If you are going to force the superintendent out and you're going to make a drastic change, let us know why. Give us the real reasons because during Dr. Whitbeck's tenure, they actually did pretty good with Fort Bend. The ratings were good with the schools. There was a big bond proposal that passed. Teachers have gotten raises. Things seem to be going really well. And now this drama creeps up out of nowhere. I mean, I hate how much attention we have to pay to public school politics these days because it's never about the actual important stuff. Are kids doing well? Are they graduating into colleges and jobs? Are they learning? Are the teachers well compensated? That's not what any of this is about. It's always about something else. And and I really wish that they would just be straightforward about what it is the board wants out of the superintendent and whether they're getting it or not. And as you point out, the fact that they're just not saying what's going on is really distressing. Yeah, really, really distressing. Now, 
Her last day is going to be December 11th. They've already got Beth Martinez in as superintendent for the remaining of the school year, I believe, and they will find somebody else or she might get the position. I have no idea. Again, I don't know because they're not giving us too much information. By the way, did you see what's happening with the TEA's school ratings uh, drama as well, Evan? Oh, my God. Yes. They're saying that like a massive number of HISD schools would fail under the new ratings, but they're not allowed to do the new ratings. I, I just can't wrap my head around what's going on. Yeah. So they can't release the ratings just yet because several ISDs are suing TEA because of the way they are putting out the new ratings and the way they're calculating the new ratings are kind of unfair and a lot of schools are going to take a big dip. So that is going on. It's like the whole education agency right now is a mess. Mm -hmm. It it really is. And I think that's what happens when you see it politicized. People don't focus on the real goals there and they get distracted by other stuff. And that's a shame. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, let's get to your most overlooked story of the week. Evan, what do you got? My most overlooked story is the fact that the hierarchy of power in Houston is changing. Now, you guys already covered this story. It's the issue of the city addressing the water billing problems. There's a bunch of ordinances being proposed to fix issues and how people are billed for their water use, especially when undetected leaks have people paying thousands upon thousands of dollars in unaffordable bills. But the city's hands were supposedly tied in their ability to help. Here's the part that was overlooked. The mayor was finally forced to act when three city council members, Carolyn Evan Shabazz, Mary Nan Huffman, and Evan Peck, used the newly passed Prop A to put this issue on the agenda. Right away, right out of the gate, uh, city council members are using this how it is supposed to be used. Before Prop A, the only way to get an issue on the agenda was either through the mayor or a complicated process of calling a special city council meeting. And I've got to say, I was skeptical of Prop A. I worried, and I still worry, that it opens the door to shenanigans and forcing votes on wedge issues and unnecessary controversy and basically turning City Hall into Austin or D.C. But so far, I've been proved wrong, and this is an incredible change in the way that things go down at City Council. It also means that the people you vote for on City Council more important than ever. It used to be that they didn't really have a lot of power. They had to figure out how to manipulate or navigate the system as it exists. This means they have direct control over what goes on the agenda. And that is incredible. Also, shout out to the reporters who brought attention to this, notably Amy Davis, who I think y'all had on the show, who confronted the mayor and he responded by calling her rude. Yeah. And she got the job done because Mm -hmm. I think at that point, the water billing issue stuff was kind of on the back burner and people had forgotten about it because we were now exiting summer. So, you know, there weren't as many issues. But Amy Davis brought it back and she would not take no for an answer. And she got in the mayor's face and finally something got done. And that was the moment. And we talked about it on that episode without that moment with Amy Davis. I don't know if it's that big of a deal and water billing issues are back in the limelight or not. And they are. And we're one step closer to getting some kind of reform. So the nine ordinances to reform water billing issues It didn't get a vote, right? Like we're still waiting for it to pass. I think there was a council member who was still waiting to read it and get updated on it, but 
it should pass, hopefully. Yeah, and stuff like that happens all the time at City Hall, where someone will tag something, you'll have to wait a week or so as it goes through the process. That's kind of normal. It's frustrating sometimes, but that's how it goes. But to see something like this forced by those three city council members is incredible. And I hope that we see more of this happening. Man, shout out to Amy Davis, and hopefully we do get something done here shortly. Okay, you know this. I know this. Every single listener knows this. Houston has the worst traffic in Texas, in the nation sometimes, and it's official. Again, the 2023 list of the 100 most congested highway segments in the state compiled by the Texas A&M Transportation Institute remains topped by 610, especially Mm -hmm. from I-10 to 59. That's going through Uptown, the Galleria. We all know it. We all hate it. It is the worst stretch of highway in the city and it is official for the third straight year it is texas's biggest collective delay evan are you happy are we celebrating here because we know it and now it's official again (laughs) i mean it's obvious if you look at a map of houston between 610 and shepherd there is no north south connector across the bayou Mm -hmm. if you want to go that direction you've got to go over to 610 you've got to go over to shepherd that's why the traffic is so bad which is why i really think there's opportunity to solve our traffic problems by building a road through the middle of the river oaks country club just get it going over the bayou (laughs) get it going over the bayou and into memorial park and we can solve all these problems nobody lives there there's no businesses there just do it it'll solve it it'll be wonderful wouldn't that be nice if we have a solution there now Coming in at number two, another famous stretch of Houston Road. The segment from I-69 from 288 to I-10 jumped to second most congested on the statewide list. And get this, it collectively adds 1.2 million hours of wasted time in that segment alone. That is unbelievable. I've got the 100 list in our show notes so you can see just how much time you waste every single day. I mean, I've tried to look for some silver lining on this, and I've got to say, more time in the car means more time to listen to CityCast Houston. There you go. I love it. That's what I'm talking about. That is number one, baby. That We need to be in your car at all times during traffic delays. Okay, so those are our most overlooked stories, Evan, but I know you've got one more story you want to talk about, and it's about Galveston, so I love it. Something I think that isn't getting enough attention is that the Battleship Texas could be moving to Galveston. You guys have been following this story. Battleship Texas had been docked near the San Jacinto Monument, but it was falling into disrepair. They had to move it all the way over to dry dock to try to repair it. And now they're asking, where should its next home be? And there's proposals to have it at the Galveston Wharf. And I think that'll be really nice. It's easier to get to. There'll be lots of tourists. It'll be cool. But this is the part of the story that stood out that kind of made like my jaw drop, uh, which is that the thing would be leased by Landry's. Yeah, because Landry's owns that whole entertainment district right there. And they've got several of the restaurants there. So yeah, it would be leased by Landry's. Tillman would own it. Isn't that crazy? I I know. I just like, I knew (laughs) Tillman liked yachts, but this is ridiculous. I'm just imagining them like shooting like popcorn chicken out of the cannons. And it's like, I want to be dining up on the deck. It's going to be great. We're going to have like wacky margaritas being mixed inside the battleship. Let's do it. And it would be really cool because on certain days you could get like a Forrest Gump impersonator because they own Bubba Gump shrimp as well. Could I mean, can we do like a dinner with Gump on, on the ship? That'd be sweet. Let's do it. I, I think this is going to be a, a lot of fun. I'm excited about this. All right, let's get to our moment of joy. Let's end on a high note here. What are you happy about, Evan? 
I'm happy that we're in the middle of Hanukkah. It is the second night of Hanukkah tonight. Uh, it is a story of Jewish people enduring adversity and oppression and the miracle of holy oil that was supposed to only burn for one night, but it lasted for eight nights, and thus in celebration, we're supposed to have foods fried in oil. Usually that means fried potatoes like latkes. It means donuts, but I really want to try to bring in some other options. Can we have like some Frenchies fried chicken? We have like some buffalo wings. There's so many good foods fried in oil that aren't part of the celebration. I think we need to broaden our horizons, really lean into it. I was going to ask you about that. Can you change the menu up? Can you bring in a Frenchies and celebrate it? Well, you know, there's a saying, two rabbis, three opinions. So yeah, sure. Like, let's <laughs> let's just make it happen. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be trying to do this with my own family, try to convince them that we should be just changing up the menu a bit. We'll see if I can get them on board. Nice. Uh, happy celebrations to you and your family. I'm going to get to my moment of joy, Evan. And this is something really personal to me because without the FAFSA form during college, I don't think I would have been able to go to college coming you know, from a minority home, especially of immigrants that had two other siblings already in college where my parents are already paying their college tuition. It would have been hard. It would have been a nightmare. But the FAFSA did help me out. And I still have nightmares, by the way, about filling out the <laughs> FAFSA because there was so much information you have to gather up and all that good stuff. Well, finally, after more than a two-month delay, students will be able to access the new free application for federal student aid, which is the FAFSA, by December 31st. And it's going to be simplified. I love this. Before, the FAFSA would take forever. And it would really eliminate a lot of students because they didn't have the information or they didn't have the time or the know how to do it because it is so hard to do. Well, now you could skip up to 26 questions and this change will allow about 50,000 more Texas students, Evan, to be eligible to receive Pell Grant money and approximately 132,000 Texas students will receive maximum aid. That is beautiful to hear and that data comes from the U.S. Department of Education. I love that they're making it simple. I love that they are also finally and this has been one of like the biggest frustrations ever, they're linking the FAFSA and the IRS direct data. So that means you can just transfer over all of those forms that your parents have already filled out, and now FAFSA has it. And you don't have to go hunting for it. You don't have to find it. It's all right there. And I am so glad that you brought this up because I thought this is something that maybe gets in a little bit of the weeds, but I work on this in my job at work, trying to find ways to improve our higher education system. And to see this fixed is incredible. But there's still this barrier in the way, which is that the federal student aid, uh, the FSA, which processes all these things, doesn't have the funding it needs. They need more funding to be able to process them, be able to answer student questions about paying back their debt, and overall just widen the pipeline so you don't have these weird barriers where people have to be on the phone forever when they've got questions. It's so frustrating that little things like that could hold it up, right? And I, I mentor a lot of college age students and high school graduating mm -hmm. seniors, and that's their number one concern is like, look, I can't afford college. And I tell them, look, fill out the FAFSA and let's see what you yeah. can get. Let's at least try it, right? And then once you get to college, get that 4.0 GPA, try to maintain a high GPA, see what kind of governor's grants you can get, see what other scholarships mm -hmm. you can get. But to eliminate just a part of that barrier is so huge for a lot of minority students that I mentor. So I'm happy to see it. That's incredible. All right, Evan, that was a lot of fun, a lot of information there. Have a great weekend celebrating with family and we'll talk to you down the road. Talk to y'all next time. That was Evan Mintz. You can find all of the stories we discussed in our show notes. 
That will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our executive producer is Dina Kespa. Our producers are Carleon Jones, A.K. Al Moman, and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our newsletter editors are Brooke Lewis and Adrian Gonzalez. And the host is me, Rahil Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a recap of Saturday's runoff election. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new.